Rebecca, did you check for chapstick? Sorry. I just, when I drink red wine, I like to have it on my lips so I don't get red, red wine lip. Perfect. Thank you. Do you remember um, lip smackers? Oh my god. Okay, so I, I was at work. I have a little cubby, just like all the children. And in my cubby, I have like my various items I need for the day. And I was putting on something, and my coworker, she like side eyed me, and I'm like, dude, this is Vava Vanilla Lip Smackers. I've been using this since grade nine. <laughs> She's like, that's for teenagers. And I'm like, no, I love this stuff. And I'd actually bought it for Maya for Christmas. They, and then I was like, yoink. They still so, make them? They still make Vava Vanilla Lip Smackers. And it tastes the exact same. Whoa. Not that I eat it, but I mean like yeah, the yeah, yeah. flavor. The taste. It is so good. I highly recommend it to anybody <laughs> that was born in the 80s to go out and grab some of that right now. Oh, I love that one. I think, wasn't there a cherry <sighs> one that was really Maybe, good but too? Maybe, but nothing... Nothing I remember going to a hockey. Do you remember when we went to that hockey game, a Clippers game? Was this like grade nine ish? Yeah. Yeah, I know. But we, we like went, went on <laughs> double date, and the guy I went with did like he did like that classic like yawn, like the old yawn, Shut up. stretch <laughs> arm over the shoulder. But I remember my cherry um, lip smackers. Yeah. I had it on that night. That shit's important. <laughs> did anybody else get to taste your cherry lip smackers? I'm pretty that sure night? he. Yeah, he. He got a little sip. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I, later I'll ask you exactly who we're talking about because I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hi, Darla. How's it it going? Good. It's been a minute. How many days has it been since I've seen your face? Well, we took a little, little break. I feel like it's been, it's been like 10 or more. Could have been. I don't know. Too long. It's been a bit. It's been a bit. It's been too long, but it was good. Have you watched the show called The Night Stalker? No. No? Neither of you? Oh, guys. It's good? Okay. Well, I mean, that depends on your definition of of good. This is a Netflix series on Richard Ramirez, The Night Stalker, the serial killer. Mm. Um, it's, It's messed up. It's for true crime documentaries, which are already pretty messed up, it is... The visuals you get with this is is Whoa. real. <laughs> like yeah. the the crime scene photos and the like they, it's all real. Yeah, and they like they recreate each crime scene and, and and so it's almost like you're there in the moment and they've recreated it exactly how it looks in the photo they play, but then they do like a video part. Oh, it's just it's it was a lot to take in. It was all, even for me who I feel like I'm super desensitized to all this now, but I feel like it's getting harder and harder for me to watch like really like this is a tough one. Stuff. This is a tough one, and I the reason I like it was on my radar was I actually read about it on I don't know some Facebook forum or something. There, like people were saying it's too it's too graphic, it's too much um, to be on Netflix or whatever. And so I was like, oh, I gotta check this out. It was and it, it was I mean it's good, but it was it's a bit much. I'm okay with it, but I can see why people said that. But if you like that kind of true crime that level, it's it's an, it's a good one. Do you know what I just watched? That Trolls just world tour. <laughs> no, it just got added to Amazon Prime. Copycat. <gasps> I was just talking to Pat about that because yeah. he's never seen it. We and Darla watched that movie obsessively like, when we were thirteen. Yeah, that movie still and gives it's me creeps. Still good. Did like, you, so you just watched it? I watched it last night. It was okay, so good. Amazing. Still, I'm going. I to forgot watch how awesome it was. Do you know what part I remember the most in that in that movie is where he like slowly licks the envelope at the end? Oh yeah. Who? <gasps> Like, yeah. just the slow, like, the sound of the paper over his taste buds is just was there cringy. Ever, was there ever a sequel to that? Because they leave it open-ended like that. Not that I'm aware of. I don't think so. That's, like, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. And, yeah, and what's his name? Harry Connick Jr.? The guy that, like, plays the piano. Isn't that? Yeah. I think that's who it is. Um, yeah, so that's so odd because I was just telling Pat. We yeah, it's on watch Amazon. It. Perfect. We're going to watch it. Um, I, d- I did want to clear the air about... <laughs> best of three scenario from last week oh this will be good okay i'm listening i knew the whole time what i just okay i need to explain that i was very just tired. everybody just let, i want to let you know that her face is turning a really cute shade of red right now just for stop. visual stop okay continue i was very tired i'm actually surprised we made it through that episode because it was late it was late, it was late. but i did know that that it that's how it worked 
I did. I really did. Okay. I just wanted you guys to know. I'm glad you, I'm <laughs> glad you told us because I was worried. I was worried for us. I'm and for mostly you. telling for the, our listeners because I'm. And I'm you not, were putting up a fight about I it know. too, and I didn't even like. Re- I didn't even know how to explain it. Like I just knew. I know. I needed to read it, but no, it. I know that the whole time. So. Okay. Well, just, good. Just so. We so know. this is Radio Face Stories, and I'm Darla, and I'm Kezia, and uh, thanks for joining us. For episode seven. seven. Yeah. You're wearing my favorite podcast t shirt. I know. I thought it. Does thought someone it was own that logo? Yeah, it's. That's um, too bad because I really. Now skateboards. I really want to like steal that logo. Maybe they'll sponsor us. Well, yeah, maybe. You should make that happen. That'd be awesome. Um, And then. <laughs> oh. I'm also wearing my french fries necklace. You are. And I appreciate that. I'm not wearing my hamburger necklace. Where is it? I fuck. It's upstairs, I think. Oh. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm not mad. Okay. Um, but <laughs> that's why this friendship pod- works. <laughs> <laughs> this is my podcast. Get up. I like it. My, my cat eating pizza. Let me take a picture I of your like shirt. Also, looks like your bibs. My booby. Do you have any shares? Anything that you? I shared about Richard Ramirez, the creepy yeah. night stalker. Um, There's actually a lot of um, true crime series is coming out now. Documentaries of serial killers and stuff. It seems like it's the thing. It's the thing to enjoy. It's the thing to like. What do people that don't like true crime do on their free time? Crochet, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Knit blankets. <clears throat> but they must watch something. Okay, a friend of mine, her name is Jen. Hi, Jen. She sent me this creepy picture of this German person that knits infants. So, like, <laughs> infant dolls, knitted infant dolls. And it was terrifying and I'm awful. Sorry. Yeah, I can't even picture that. I will have to. I can. Sh- I can share all this with you. And then, oddly enough, the next day, I came across on my Facebook a lady that crocheted a life-size version of her teenage son, so she could hug him because her real son doesn't hug her anymore. So it's the creepiest <laughs> fucking thing. So I was like, I see your knitted infant, and I raise you a crocheted son. <laughs> and that was our conversation. But it was really odd. The infant was one thing, but the cross like a teen. Imagine that kid like being, like this is my mom and this is the knitted version of me, or the crocheted version of me, and he's like got like headphones and like a punk's not dead shirt on and stuff. Like it's so like odd. imagine his friends come over for a sleepover, yeah, and they see that, and his mom's just like cuddling <laughs> the him crocheted version of him, and they're like, whoa, where's Tommy? Dude, That's your not mom's Tommy. weird. Yeah. <laughs> This She's is like, do you guys a... want some pizza? No wonder she doesn't want to. Hu- he doesn't want to hug her. I set the table her. for six. <laughs> this seat's taken. <laughs> There's like a little crocheted pizza slice for him. <laughs> Anyways, this is the stuff my Facebook sh- shares with me. Anybody else get cool Facebook? I don't ads have and Facebook. Stuff? That's smart. And there's well, nothing else to say about that. I kind of wish I still had it for no, like the the uh, marketplace and the swap and shops. And Even that, that. No. no. But no, I'm glad. I think I got it. I think I got to take space from it. <laughs> Anyways, that's my other share. Cool. What should we should we uh, rock paper scissors this? Yeah. Best of three. Best of three. Okay, we got Best this. Best of three. Heck yeah. Rock paper scissors. Tie. Rock paper scissors. Ooh, Kezia, get scissor out of my tie head. Paper tie. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot, okay, slice. One for me. Rock, one, paper, scissors. Ooh. <gasps> Two and oh. Take it. I take it. I'll take it. And she I'll just take uh, it. ended my game with a paper to my rock. <laughs> you are the paper to my rock. <laughs> <clears throat> my story is on the feet of Georgia Strait. Do you remember hearing about... Feet washing up on shore. I absolutely remember this. Reg- oh, Rebecca looks confused. Where were you? Never. On a different continent. I have no idea what you guys oh, this is about. good. Most. I like it. Yeah, that's mm. good. I definitely know. So it all began in 2007 on Jedediah Island. It's a small provincial park island in between Texada and Laskiti Islands. And I actually sailed there with my parents this summer. Where, where exactly did you sail? We sailed. Well, we ended up at Hornby. That's where we turned around. But we we sailed to Jedediah Island, and we, we stayed there for two nights, like in a little bay there. It's really cool, actually. You can camp on the island. There's no cars or anything. You can 
you can get taxied there, like water taxied mm-hmm. with your camping gear, and it's beautiful. You can like camp on the um, rock bluffs and stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Cool. A young girl on vacation found a sneaker with a severed foot inside of it on Jedediah. Since then, at least 20 feet have been found along the strait in Canada and Washington State in Tacoma and Seattle. So messed up. 20 And correct feet. me if I'm wrong, but none of them are pairs, right? Oh, no, there is pairs. There is pairs. Okay. Yeah. So no other body parts were found, just feet. And this is still ongoing. In 2019, a foot was found inside a men's Nike shoe, size nine and a half, belonging to a man possibly under the age of 50, on the shore near 30th Street Beach in West Vancouver. It's a real broad range. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, they probably, so they'll find the feet and then they'll look for like missing persons, you know, Mm -hmm. and then they'll... They'll try to match them. Another was matched to a man named Antonio Neal, who had been missing since December 12, 2016. This was the 15th human foot found. In BC, 13 of them have been identified as missing persons, and a few remain unknown. So most of them... Oh, I didn't realize that. That's like 13 out of 20. 13 out of the 15 found in Canada. I think the other ones were in the States. Oh, okay. So some of the theories state that they came from the 2004 tsunami in Asia and somehow had made their way across the Pacific. Or some have said they're from plane crashes or possibly murder victims. But like why, I guess, or feet of suicide why they all victims. wash up in the same area? Is that some sort of current thing? Like, Well, it's so, it's actually been ruled out that it's that there's any foul play and authorities by the authorities and they think they mostly come from people who were killed by accident or suicide so a lot of these people actually like have committed suicide jumping off bridges and stuff but why don't feet show up Um, people jump off bridges all over the world they die they drown they fall off boats they whatever yeah, so that so that's another thing. Why? Like people falling off boats all the time. But why are the feet all washing up in our space? So, well, I'll tell you why it's feet. I'll get into that. Okay. So one foot was identified as a man who may have committed suicide, and two others were from a woman who jumped over the Patella Bridge. That's the bridge that links. She jumped over the New bridge. Westchester. Jumped over it. <laughs> like the cow jumped over the moon. Yeah. I just had like... I'm very visual. When I hear something, I'm always picturing it. What would you say? She jumped off the bridge? I suppose I would say she jumped off she the jumped bridge. She jumped over I mean, it's the quite the feat well, to jump. Well, if there's like a railing, maybe you have it's to kind of jump over. It's amazing to jump over a bridge. Like, <laughs> either way. Well, either way, she came from a bridge. <laughs> Basically, what's happening is it's the feet are coming from people who die by accident or suicide. So... No murders involved. I have a really hard time believing that. Do you not? Um, yeah, I do. But and like, if they don't know who some of the feet belong to, how do they know they're not by murders? I, because I think a lot of these people have drowned. Like they'd be out on their boats right. in, the, in the strait, and but it was an accident. And so when they match up the feet, or they would know, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Okay, this person was missing on this day, he fell off a boat, or this person went out fishing by themselves and never came home. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's possible that some of them are for murders. And it's hard to know because they don't ever really find the bodies. Weird. Just, just the old feet. So feet become detached during normal decomposition. So when a body floats, it becomes subject to the pushing and pulling of the water environment, and then it starts to fall apart, and the bones of the hands and feet are usually the first to go. And so if a foot has a shoe on it, it actually makes it quite buoyant. Hmm. So when the body breaks down, the feet separate, and then the foot would float to shore because it's in a shoe, and the rest of the body would sink and then succumb to nature. And footwear actually protect the f- the foot from fish and other hungry sea creatures eating it. 
That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, the fish will actually, like, gnaw on the exposed ankles. Gross. That's and gross. This, this actually reminds me of um, when I was in Thailand. Um, this guy, so people would rent mopeds a lot there and then, like, you know, get drunk and ride their mopeds. And have, there was tons of accidents. Sure. Um, <laughs> so this guy had, like, scraped his entire body up. Ugh. And we were diving. I went there um, to scuba dive. And he, I remember, like, as when his body was, like, he was okay to dive again. But he had these crazy scabs all over his body. Sick. And <laughs> we went diving. And there was, I'm not even joking, there was, like, a trail oh. of fish swimming behind him. And, like, picking, like, biting his, like, little dead skin bits off of his body That's as he was disgusting. diving. <laughs> Did you take a pic? Like, do you have another? No, pic? I have a visual, but I remember laughing underwater. I'm like, <laughs> this guy, this guy has like a swarm of fish, like eating and his eating scabs, his, like, dead flesh bits. Yeah. Oh, so gross. But That's also, nasty. they were like cleaning him. Up, I guess. That's oh, so man. gross. So that's what. So that's what I picture, right? It's just like decomposing skin is fish food. Yum. Gross, right? <laughs> Um, so before the more recent rush of feet washing up ashore, there there was findings over a century ago, like a leg in a boot found on a Vancouver beach in 1887. And the place of this discovery led to that place being called Leg in Boot Square. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> and I, I looked it up. Um, it's like in this little bay on the south side of False Creek between Granville Island and Science World. So if you're walking by there and you're wondering how that place got its name, it's because a leg was found in a boot there. <laughs> That's great. I mean, what else would you name it at that point? I That's how know. we kind of name our episodes, really. Yeah. It's just <laughs> random stuff like that. In July of 1914, there was a reported human leg encased in a high boot near the mouth of the Salmon River and was thought to be the remains of a man who had drowned the previous summer. So these feet have been washing up for centuries. And I'm sure they'll never stop. So, if But, like, is there other places, I wonder, is there other places in the world where feet, you know, regularly wash up? Because it seems to be a trend just in this specific area. I think it's because maybe because of the strait. Like how it's not open ocean I feel like maybe in other parts of the world the bodies would get swept out to this middle of the ocean and then right get eaten or decomposed by the time they ever got to shore this is just my theory right but I think because we're we have the strait you know there's not like that much right water for the body to travel around and maybe the currents wash them out the two unidentified feet washed up in February 2016 on the shore of Botanical Beach on the west coast of Vancouver Island. In the U.S., one of the pairs belonged to a woman who jumped off a bridge, another of a missing fisherman, and another depressed man who probably committed suicide as well. After the fifth foot was found, this story went viral and was being covered internationally in Australia and even South Africa. So, yeah, it just got, it went, got on the news and then people started... Getting really interested. Making their theories. Making all their theories, which is kind of crazy. And David Letterman even questioned two Canadians in the audience about this mystery <laughs> as well. So one that was discovered in June of 2018 on Tai Spit near Campbell River, which is in North Vancouver Island, was a hoax. Oh. It was, in fact, a skeletonized animal paw which was put into a sock and shoe and then stuffed with dried seaweed. So so someone was trying to make a joke out of this. I looked up what a skeletonized paw looks like, and I don't know. I couldn't really get that like That seems a like good, a real shitty joke to make. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So the RCMP actually launched an investigation into it and tried to find whoever was behind it, and they could get charged with public mischief. I don't think they were found or not. I didn't get any information on that. After the 11th foot was found in Vancouver on 2011, several running shoes were found with what police thought was just plain old raw meat. 
So, so someone's like copycatting. Think, yeah. Like, <laughs> They're putting raw meat in shoes and then just like sprinkling them on the real, beach. People are really odd. They're yeah. Just, that's disgusting. I don't understand the purpose of that. Like at they all. just think it's a really sweet joke. Um, and this was all on Oak Beach, which is in Saanich. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a list of dis- all the discoveries on Wikipedia with dates and descriptions that you can actually go. And if you really want to get into the specifics, you can check that out. And apparently, a tennis shoe holds a detached foot in place really well. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that a tennis shoe has really great foot support. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys are looking to buy some new shoes. That is good information. Thank you. Right? Yeah. Another fun fact, a body in the depths of the Salish Sea can become skeletonized by aquatic life in less than four days. Whoa. So if you're going to dump a body, do it in the ocean. And they will They will. There you go. Yeah. that shit up right away. <laughs> they did a bunch of studies on this. Oh, that's so gross. Um, on pig carcasses. I know, right? That seems really fast. I didn't realize that fish were, I mean, I guess I didn't think of them as, like, that they would eat flesh. I don't know why. Like, There's, I know f- uh, sharks will and... It's it's actually surprising what you will see, like, on the bottom of the ocean. Like, when I scuba dive, sometimes there'll be, um, like, tons of crab shells just littered on the bottom right and like starfish and that's not like the seagulls eating crabs starfish octopus they will like suck the insides out of a creature and just spit the bones out um starfish eat eat meat so there's like eating up the crabs eating up whatever and then eating up like an asics yeah there's there's creatures down there that yeah (laughs) i'm sure if i'm sure that if you were to see a body like partially decomposed at the bottom of the ocean, you would be surprised at what is on it, like eating it. Gross. There's tons of weird little critters down there. Do you know what this is reminding me of, and I don't know why, is, you ever read the book The Hatchet? Mm, we were in grade no. like six. Okay, well, we read the book, and then we got to watch the movie, because there's a movie. And at the beginning, this kid's in like the airplane crash, like a little airplane, and it crashes into a lake. He survives, Later, he goes to swim out to the crash, like the plane that's kind of like underwater, half underwater, to try to get some medical supplies or something. And I remember he's swimming in there, and he runs into the pilot, and it's like something has eaten around his eyeball, like his eyeball's like half floating Ew. out. And as an 11-year-old, that shit's vivid. Oh, yeah. Like that stuck, is burned in my brain, and that all, when you're talking about fish eating bodies, that's all I can think about is that movie. <sighs> <laughs> and how I need to read that book to my kids right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a visual, that's for oh. sure. Well, they have those, I don't know where, maybe in Thailand probably, where you could go and get like a foot bath and there's little fish in there what? and they clean your feet. They like eat all the dead skin Ew. and they like, they like fully clean your feet and it's like a, it's like a spa thing there. I hate that so much. I bet you it would feel amazing. No. I would do no. it. No. You I'm, wouldn't? No. I wouldn't because I how do you know hurt. you're one chomp away from like that's a no, live not, meat. They don't have like I don't. That's think they my have, nerves. No, I don't think they have teeth. I think they just like suck the dead skin off. Oh, like, that makes them hurl. They just get all the Nuh-uh. dead bits. Nuh-uh. Like your calluses, <laughs> your old grinding calluses. My calluses are they so hard to be like sucking a rock. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> sucking on a rock. Um, yeah. So regardless to say, it's very bizarre. It's been called an anomaly. Finding a foot is really weird, but imagine finding a pair of feet. If they were, like, not a match? No, like, if they were. Well, um, in general. Finding just, finding like... one feet, one foot is one thing, but, like, <laughs> finding two feet, I'd be like, okay, this is really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes the feet of Georgia Strait. Thank you very much for that. Um, the sources are Vancouver's Awesome put out an article, June 25th, 2014, straight.com, an article from February 11th, 2019, and Wikipedia. And that is that. And it is time. Shout out to Vancouver's Awesome. <laughs> and it is time for a break, I believe. Commercial break. Commercial break. Hi. It's Rebecca from Radio Face Stories. This week's shout-out goes to our friend Danielle Steele. 
Danielle has just started following us on Instagram after 25, 26 years of friendship. Thanks, Danielle. Your support means the world to us. If you want a shout out for you, your friend, your pet, your business, let us know. We got all the shout outs. Enjoy the rest of the show. I had four naps today. It was so good. Okay, I'd like to... Okay, I literally never do that. I have a hard time believing that, and I would like to understand... Can you tell me what your nap schedule was? Like, what time did you get up, and then when did you need your first nap? Okay, so I woke up at 9. Okay, reasonable-ish for a weekend. And then I was going to go to work, but as I was leaving to work, my coworker was like, you don't actually have to come in. I've got it. That's nice. So then I was like, sweet. Okay, so nap one is like, what, 9.45? Yes. So you woke up at 9 and you napped at 9.45. Yes. Okay, then what happened? Then I then I had some cereal. And then I had another nap. What the fuck? Okay. So we're uh, saying watch, two naps before so, noon? No, sorry. Okay, I watched Copycat before my first nap. I watched it in the oh, morning. Okay, oh, okay. I cha- thought that was last night. That was this morning. Wait, what? Don't worry. Okay, so you had two naps before noon today? I think today... I slept three times. Okay. And I woke up from a nap at 6.40 before coming here. So that might be a little bit while I'm while I'm a little out of sleep. And sorts. are you still going to be able to go to sleep at a normal oh, time yeah. tonight? I'm going to have a nap. Why do you get... sleep so much? It's because I don't normally sleep enough. Really? Like how much sleep do you get a night? Six hours? Eight? Six? <sighs> Six hours and eight hours are I, no, fucking significantly different things. Okay, maybe I do get enough sleep, but I definitely, like, overexert myself in a regular day. Kezia. Mm-mm. That was you. It, no, it wasn't. Well, what? It was. You just bumped. No, I didn't. I literally didn't I was touch a, I was about, phone. I was that about to put this down, and then I heard your cup. Oh, oh shit. Oh, that's what that was. Hear that? It was a dark and stormy I'm, I've, night. I miss Rebecca's glares when I tap things on the table. <laughs> okay. My turn, right? Yeah. So my story, you guys, this story, I had heard about it before, but not in any sort of detail. This story is messed up. This is the story of Cindy James. So Cindy James was born in 1944, and... Her parents were, her dad was a very strict, uh, he was a military man, so he raised his children in a very strict manner. They didn't have a good relationship. Uh, she was described as a very anxious child and, uh, yeah, and, and said that her dad was too strict and too controlling, and this is how she was raised. And she was a smart girl. As she grew, she wanted to go to university, but her dad believed she had a certain role to play, women had a certain role to play, and he sent her to Vancouver. They lived in Ontario, I believe. Uh, he sent her to go to nursing school in Vancouver. And at the time, I think the school was actually at uh, the Vancouver Hospital. So she did her nursing actually at the hospital. So she went. She graduated from nursing school in 1966. But wait, sorry. Did she, she want to be a nurse or her dad wanted her to be a nurse? Her, her dad wanted her to okay. go to nursing school. I think... What happened was they're living in Ontario, and her dad, he worked for the military, and he got transferred somewhere else. And at that time, she was 18 and wanted to stay where they were living because she had a boyfriend there. And her dad said, forget it. You're going to Vancouver to become a nurse. That's Mm. what you're doing. And, like, she didn't have a say. Even though she was 18, she didn't have a say. So he shipped her off to Vancouver. And so she started going to study to be a nurse. And I think she actually excelled. She did very, very well. And during that time, she met a psychiatrist that worked at the hospital who was 18 years older than her. His name was Roy Makepeace, and they started a relationship. Uh, Roy was married at the time, but apparently wasn't a very good marriage or whatever that was on the wasn't working out. And he started an affair with Cindy, and eventually they actually got married. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so she graduated nursing school in 1966, and she'd kept this relationship with um, Roy a secret from her family, so they didn't know. And she's Even quite after their marriage. Yeah, okay. I think they. I think she told them once they were married, but it wasn't like they didn't know about uh, the engagement or the relationship at all. And I don't think they once they found out they didn't approve that he was. You know, he was so much older than her. The mm-hmm. dad probably had a really hard time with that. He had a conniption. 
I'm sure he did, but he was, she, it's, I read that, like, she didn't go and visit very often, so it was just, you know, it's a strained parent relationship. So she graduated as a nurse, but she really loved children, and she ended up working as an administrator for, like, a daycare for children that had emotional and behavioral issues, so that was kind of what she did. And she, so, like I said, she had anxiety issues, and she actually had a real big fear of water. And her husband, Roy Makepeace, he was an avid sailor. And so they kind of clashed on this, but she would kind of just bite the bullet and go sailing with him, even though she had this big fear. And they were married for, I think, 16 years, um, quite a long time before she eventually left him. So I don't, there's not a lot of details about, I think it just slowly, yeah, they, they, you know. He got too old. (laughs) Oh my God, maybe that's why. She was like, you're old now. Well, he was 18 years older than her when they got married, and then they were married for 16 years. I'm not a mathematician, but that's old balls. Old balls. So in July 1982, she uh, leaves her husband. But apparently they, they left on good terms. Like, it was okay, and they were still close and friends, and everything was all right. Did they have children? No children. Okay. Okay. Uh, four months after she left her husband, Cindy started receiving strange and threatening phone calls. At first, these phone calls was, was nothing more than someone breathing into the phone line. Wow. And very short. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's creepy, right? Like, you wouldn't... That's weird. And if it happened over and over, you're going to start kind of telling people that this is happening. Eventually, after like three months of this, she reported it to um, the VPD, the Vancouver Police Department, and an investigation began where, you know, these weird threatening calls, they weren't all breathing. Sometimes they'd say little bits of things. She started noticing prowlers um, around her house and porch lights being smashed. What? Her phone line was cut. And then notes were started, had started being left on her property. Notes saying really, really messed up shit like you're next and Whoa. had pictures of dead bodies or knives and people and like corpses and, and very odd things. And they were all cut out from like newspapers. They weren't handwritten notes. And they were left on her property. But she reported everything that happened. And so Good. she was, yeah, I mean, that's terrifying. Would mm-hmm. you not be? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And she actually told one of her friends that she thinks whoever's doing this is actually just trying to scare her to death. Like, she feels very, you know, it's on her mind all the time. It's very scary for her. So in January 27th, 1983, her friend Agnes Woodcock stopped by to visit Cindy one evening. So she knocks on the door and Cindy doesn't answer. And Agnes said that she assumed Cindy was having her bath that she has every night and she didn't answer. It's not a big deal. So she went around the side of the house, and she actually found Cindy unconscious in the garage with a stocking tied tightly around her neck. And she kind of comes, you know, helps her friend out, and and she wakes up, and and Cindy can't remember anything other than she remembers someone with white shoes, white sneakers. That's all she remembers. So it's, you know, not a lot of, yeah, tennis sneakers. I don't know, it's just shoes. (laughs) Uh, Not a lot of information. The police interviewed Cindy, but found that her... Evas- that she found that she was being really evasive, not giving the whole story, not telling them a lot of information, and they became really frustrated with this. So they actually gave her a polygraph because they were like, "What? We don't know what's. We don't understand what's going on. We're not getting. We're not finding any evidence of anybody doing anything, and all these reports are coming from you." And and so they gave her a polygraph, which to see if she was making it. See, yeah, to see if she was Whoa. just yeah wasting their time and making it up. And the results were inconclusive. It didn't. Yeah, so she wasn't giving enough information. And Mm. Cindy, her mother had said that Cindy had told her that whoever was doing this had threatened her to keep her mouth shut or her sister and mother were next. So her mother thinks that maybe she she was being evasive because she was afraid. By 1984, Cindy was increasingly paranoid. She moved homes, she painted her car a different color, and even changed her last name. She also hired a private investigator. The police were torn between thinking that perhaps she was making all this stuff up and wasting their time, and then they also believed that perhaps her ex-husband, actually I don't think they were actually ex, they were just separated, so her previous husband was maybe involved. He was, after all, a psychiatrist. He could maybe know how to really mess with her head and make her feel like, you know. But did he have a reason to do that? Well, no, and that's the thing. That's the thing. Even Cindy herself said, no, like, I don't think it's him. And her family also said they left on good terms. Everything's okay. And he 
denied having anything to do with any of this. She even at some point stayed at his place. Um, he would leave and let her have his place to, you know, have a different place to stay for a few days. So, but over time, she began, um, I think they read in the journal she had that she began to even wonder if he's having had something to do with this. I think if all this stuff is happening for so long, you would start really looking at everybody in your world, uh, like, who would be doing this to me? Who's, she... And seems to know, like, you know, when I'm, I'm away and I'm back and it starts again kind of a thing. So police had uh, surveillance on her house and nothing would happen when they would have their surveillance. And as soon as they lifted it off, then an incident would happen. Whoa. Okay, and so this weird. also fed into why the Do, police thought this was on her. Does yeah. she, like, did she seem that she, like, liked attention? They, I mean, not other than all the stuff that's happening now. Um, she, they were questioning her mental health, mm-hmm. like perhaps, yeah, f- this was all for attention, but there was nothing else really feeding into why she would be doing this. So her private investigator gave her a two-way radio so she could call him if anything ever happened and she needed help. And one evening he had heard crackling over the little radio and when he radioed her back, he got no answer. So he rushed over there, um, and she, he knocked on the door, and she didn't answer. So he walked around her house, and he could see through a kitchen window that she was laying on the ground. So he broke through into her house and finds her unconscious and has a note stabbed into her hand with a knife. Whoa. Right? So she's. he actually thought, he reported that he thought she was dead. Um, she was not, in fact. They revived her, and she's taken to hospital. She remembers very little other than she remembers seeing a man coming through her front gate and the next thing she knows is she's being hit on the head and she remembers the feeling of a needle being put into her arm. That's all she claims to remember. The police find no evidence, no evidence of a break and enter, no evi- no, no fingerprints, no anything. There's nothing. All the doors were locked. Did, did the note? What did the, the note, note say? was, I don't, I don't know what specifically that note said. Something like, usually they said, you're next kind of a thing oh, okay. or you're dead bitch. Those are all often. I have actually a bunch of pictures of the notes. But because there was no sign of forced entry and there was no evidence, no fingerprints, no anything, the police, again, thought this was her staging a situation. It is said that the police spent about $1.5 million over this whole time period investigating all of her incidences. There was over 100 incidences she reported. Wow. And they were more and more just in disbelief and not, you know, not thinking that any of it was real. That's a lot of money. So they eventually secretly tapped her phone without letting, so they didn't let her know that her phone was tapped. And although she continued to get threatening phone calls, none of them were long enough to be traced. So, like, they they tell her that they have surveillance, and I guess they tell her when the surveillance is coming off and then these incidences would happen. Why would they not just tell her? So then it's like if she was doing this, if the surveillance was like she wouldn't know when they're being surveilled or say it's gone, but it's not. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but, but they did they, tap her phone but, without telling her and she was still receiving phone calls. And yeah, this is a so long time ago. It's not like they had cell phones. How do you call yourself? That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. How do you can. call yourself back then? I don't know. She Any, got someone to call. Then there's somebody else in on this. But then why? Like it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Um, so police started to theorize that Cindy was wa- the one doing it all that she was staging all the harassment for whatever reason. The police started to take her reports less and less seriously. Her family was upset because it seemed that they started to focus on trying to prove that Cindy was doing this rather than to find who was doing this. Like mm-hmm. they had kind of changed their whole mindset and were looking for her to be guilty. Cindy asked, often would ask her friend Agnes and her husband Tim to come and stay at her house because she was scared. One night, Cindy woke up Tom to say she heard a loud noise in the basement. When they went to go check it out, they realized there was a fire in the basement. Tom ran out of the house to get help, and he saw a man standing on the curb just staring at the house. When he called out to the man to get some assistance, the man just ran away. So that's pretty weird. weird. It's a weird thing to do. Police, Police decided that someone didn't break in seeing there was no evidence of a break-in, nothing in the windows, or, and that the, ho- the fire was actually started from the inside of the house. So I guess, again, kind of leaning, what? you know, making the assumption that Cindy started the fire and not really taking serious that they in. saw the man watching the fire and running away. 
They could have yeah. come in and obviously started the fire in the house. The house, the fire But there was no the evidence house. of someone breaking in or any disruption like that. Okay. The police at that point were pretty, fr- I think they were very frustrated, and Cindy was hospitalized. She was committed what? to a local psych ward. Really? Yeah. Her psychiatrist believed that the reports of harassment were all true, but he feared that the police not believing her was actually making her suicidal. Whoa. Aww. Yeah, and there's she's written in there's journals where she talks about being suicidal, and I can't imagine what it feels like if this was happening to you and, and no, no one, one believes you. you. I mean, I would probably eventually give up even reporting this stuff, but you can't just live in fear all the time. Yeah, that's I mean, awful. it's a real weird... It's a weird situation. But again, there's no answer. She moved, right? Did she move? She already had moved. Yeah. Yeah. And she sometimes stayed at her, you know, her ex's house. And it seemed like the person that was doing this seemed to know her movement, which mm. is why she thought maybe it was her ex-husband or mm-hmm. someone in her life that was close to her. So 10 weeks after she was hospitalized, she was discharged and that she had told she told her friends and family that there was actually information she was holding back and not telling them, um, but she wasn't ready to discuss it. That she had decided that the police weren't taking her seriously, and she was going to solve all this herself, and then she would tell them all, everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds terrifying. On May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty nine, almost almost seven years after the very first threatening phone calls um, started. Cindy went missing. They found her car outside a Safeway grocery store. Inside were groceries, a wrapped gift, and a steering wheel covered in blood. They also found her wallet and ID under the driver's seat. Two weeks later, they found her body at an abandoned house. Her hands and feet were hogtied, so they were tied behind her back, and there was a stocking around her neck. Whoa. The cause of death was actually listed as an overdose of morphine, and there was other drugs in her system as well. And the police still believe it was all an elaborate suicide. What? Yeah. So. Wait, what's okay? What city is this in again? Uh, Richmond. Sorry, I don't know if I ever said any of that. I no, I think you might have. I just forgot. That's so awful. So Cindy's private investigator says it is impossible for her to have done this herself, to tie herself up like that. Um, even if she took the drugs, there was no needle marks in her arm. So if she swallowed the pills, remember she was a nurse, so perhaps she had access to this kind of medication. Then she would be too medicated to have tied herself up in a real difficult situation. Um, there's other stories I listened to that said her feet, she had no shoes and socks on, but her feet were clean. So she couldn't have walked to this abandoned place and then tied up all this stuff after ingesting all the medicine, right? Yeah. And t- hog tie herself who, t- who can do that? So, who well, can do that even, like, not on medication? They had a not specialist to try to, you know, disprove that, she, yes, she could, in fact, do this. And the not specialist was able to tie himself up in a similar way to her in under three minutes. But he did say he didn't tie the same knots that she tied. They're just really trying but to But she's make... not a fucking knot specialist. Well, like, and he wasn't under the influence just, of medication. It seems like but they're I, really going to the they're stretch- here exactly. to make it seem like and she did what it. And that's what her... They also said that perhaps she had uh, a personality disorder. And so one personality was kind of out to destroy her other personality. And her psychiatrist, who had talked to her for a long time, like had been with her for a long time, said, it seems like they're trying to have an answer for, you know, a really hard question and they're just making stuff up now. Like mm-hmm. it's he not he said she does not have a personality. Why would disorder. they not listen to the psychiatrist? I don't know. Um, so weird. Yeah, her family and friends reject the idea that she was mentally ill and committed suicide. Her father has actually stated as saying the police did not investigate the possibility of homicide of somebody murdering her, but zeroed in on trying to prove that she committed suicide. After a lengthy inquest, the coroner ruled that Cindy James died of an unknown event. And that's the story of Cindy James. What? That's it? That's it. Oh, I don't like that ending. So, I mean, it's so a that's, lot to take So then in. it was case closed? Well, like, it that's was a- it. It's an unknown event. Her actual death was the morphine overdose. But how all that happened, they don't know. They don't know if it was her, somebody else caused it. 
despite all the other reports of harassment and seven years seven years she was basically tormented lived in fear man i feel like so this information that she was withholding she didn't write about it in her journals or anything like that she, she wrote about being afraid, like being threatened to keep her mouth shut or it would happen to her her sister and mom. There was one claim, like she made a report saying maybe this was her husband doing something and, but, and they looked into it and he was actually out of the country at that specific time. And so they basically wrote him off after that because she said maybe my husband is doing this, you know, look, look into him and he wasn't even in the country when this happened. So weird though that someone would torment someone for seven years yeah and like what purpose for what yeah well and that's what people were leaning towards her husband because he was a psychiatrist and maybe could kind of pull this shit off and mess with her head but for why? so long but why but why exactly. it seems like a lot of work maybe he was devastated he she left him i don't know i don't know maybe maybe she maybe she did make it all and up. maybe she made it all up but that's very strange how why how could all these things happen and and nobody ever be found like the man that was standing outside the fire maybe he literally was just a dude outside and the guy came out yelling and he got startled who knows weird things happen what do you think i i go back and forth all the time hmm. there's another part I, I kind of left out so there's at one point uh, a threatening call went to her husband's answering machine at his house and he sent it to the police and if you listen to it, which I have, it sounds like a woman disguising her voice. And it says, like... You can listen to it? You can listen to it. Can I see if I can try to play it? Yeah. Okay, hold on a sec. So this is the actual threatening phone call. That is freaking creepy. And that was definitely a woman's voice. Yeah, so people heard that and said, that sounds like a woman. What was she saying? Dead meat? Yeah, Cindy, dead meat soon. So. Ew, I don't like that. Can you play that one more time? Yeah, I can. what was left on her ex-husband's answering machine and he had sent it to police Gross. so when you hear stuff like that though you're also like okay the police are like that sounds like a female this is crazy this is all crazy i do feel like at a certain point police do start they want to find answers and they push they're not being objective anymore they're just pushing they're trying to find an answer they're trying to close the case they don't want to be bothered anymore by this woman obviously so yeah they're not they're missing they're missing things they're finding things that fit in their idea of what happened so they think she's doing this so they're only really paying attention to the details that support their theory yeah and that's not good police work. That's not good anything. You can't be like, you have to be objective in any of these kind of mm-hmm. jobs. Yeah. But that's that's what's so confusing about this case and this story. And it's insane. And if you're interested in this, there is so much, so much more to this story that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't fit into this. Um, Was there a movie ever made about it? There's a documentary. I think there's a YouTube one. I watched the Unsolved Mur- uh, Unsolved Mysteries case. It's pretty short. There's still a lot more information than they even touch on. There's some podcasts. Um, the Evidence Locker podcast episode 83 is awesome. It goes into all the information. I think there was like overall the 100 incidences, like five of them were physical attacks. I think I only touched on two of them. Mm-hmm. Like one one of them, she was found in a ditch with like a mm-hmm. man's boot on her. Like really weird, weird things. Another stalking around her neck. And she had no idea how she got there kind of scenario. It's no very information. interesting. I, I think, yeah, I would like to, to maybe listen or see some more. Okay, so I got my information from, um, there's a website called MelanieHack.com, and that's actually her sister. Her sister has a website about it, and she wrote a book called Who Killed My Sister, My Friend. Um, I obviously didn't read the book, but I did check out the website, and that's where I got that audio mm-hmm. clip. Uh, Medium.com has an article called Bizarre Murder. The official claim was suicide. Unsolved Mysteries episode uh, 18, season 3, and the Evidence Locker podcast episode 83. So check that stuff out. 
Beauty. It's a beauty. It's messed up. Okay, beauty. Good job, Darla. Thank I you. really, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Good. I'm glad. Great storytelling. <laughs> it's kind of a sad, a sad way to end our episode. It's pretty dark. That's okay. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're here for. We're here to tell all the stories. Dark, light, mostly dark, In whatever. Between. Take it or leave it. Yeah. We're, we're that's what we're doing. This is what we do. True crime, death, <laughs> destruction. <laughs> decomposition it sounds cool when you do it in that voice tonight oh it's like you're we tell you a tale of murder it's like your preview preview voice do you remember that um that game that interactive game called nightmare night nightmare was that what it's called nightmare yeah and then you like played it through the you VHS. played a, a video cassette yeah. a video not a dvd a video no vhs yeah vhs and that guy that was Space. such a fun game. It was so creepy, though. Rebecca, did you ever play? We sometimes played at sleepovers. I literally just bought that game like Shut. Two, two days ago. What? No, you yeah. did not. <gasps> Are you going to play it with your nieces? It's, it's scary. Do you have Kate, a VHS? I my mom has a spare VHS. Can you please bring it here and yeah. we'll play with my kids? Yeah. <gasps> I don't know, man. That's freaky. We played yeah. it. I played it when I was really young with my parents. His, so the guy's face gets like creepier and creepier. Yeah. As, and yeah. I, just, I wonder I if anybody remember. out there remembers. Yeah, it was called Nightmare and you played the tape and you played the board game and he'd pop up and have random mean shit to say. And like I remember having a staring contest with him at one point. Yeah. And you have to like stare at the video, and he stares back at yeah. you. And the and over throughout the game, he gets like uglier and yeah. more dead. And, and the music and, and the music goes faster over t- over and louder. And louder. That's yeah. right. And you're yeah, trying to beat true. him. That is probably one of the best games in history. Move well, over Monopoly. I mean, let's let's Welcome make Nightmare. that judgment when we play it now as adults. I don't care. It's still the best. We should get Danielle here. She will not play that. No. No, Danielle, give me a quick text after you hear this episode. I heard you listen to us now. So uh, give us a quick text. Let me know if you play Nightmare with us. And we'll uh, reserve you a spot. <laughs> yeah, we're and shout out to everyone that is listening. I know, I feel like we have some pretty regular fan. Thank you. If you're a regular, please uh, share. Share the love. The love. Share the podcast. Talk about it with your friends. You know, just spread the word. That's how we can keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And we're having a lot of fun. We love it. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Well. It is Sunday. I suppose we should call her a night. Let's call her a night. All right. Good night. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.